welcome to Creative Block. We're your hosts, V. And Sean. We interview people in the creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We ask people on our social medias like YouTube, Patreon, Discord, Instagram, etc. if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss as well as some drawing prompts. Today we have with us Nick Edwards. Hello, Hi. welcome. Hello. I feel like I need one of those like old like medieval bugles like when did you when thanks when when did uh, when did you first realize you were into like medieval stuff? A lot of your oh. uh, drawings are, are are pretty uh peasant peasants rolling around in the mud and stuff, right? Yeah. I would say horrible histories for books. <laughs> yes. You ever read those? Yeah, yeah. I was I was very I loved those when must have been eight, nine, ten, or something. Reading those, and uh, Dan Brown or something Brown, the guy who illustrated them. I remember trying out like the science ones and some of the other ones, but I really needed to be the one guy, the one specific guy in his drawings. I love them. Terrible Tudors. Seeing like little drawings of beheadings. Ooh, <laughs> I want to draw that. That's what. It makes it 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 makes the the beheadings uh, much lighter when they're far away and and drawn. Yeah, that's the power of cartooning. That's also that's something I really only figured out much later when I was reading um, Barefoot Gen. Do you know Barefoot Gen? Don't. I don't know that one. Is it uh, is it a comic? It's a manga. Yeah, it's about um, Hiroshima and the bomb. Oh wait wait wait. Dropped. Okay. I, this is crazy because every time somebody mentions that manga in English, I'm always like, I don't know it. And then uh, people are like, well, it's about Hiroshima. And I'm like, oh, I know it, but I know it with a French title. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's insane because it looks so cute. Like the characters are so cute. But yeah. then all these like atrocious things are happening because it's people like uh, losing their skin and like having all these like, like effects from the radiations. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but you realize it's the perfect way I would hate to see a live action. I mean, I watched Chernobyl and that was horrific. Yeah. And it's yeah. a similar thing where a manga of Chernobyl or an anime of Chernobyl, you could show kids that. <laughs> they could learn. Yeah, about... but it's interesting because it's like you have manga that's like very realistic. Like if you think about Berserk, where it's like very mm -hmm. detailed and realistic. And like if that was the rendition for Barefoot Gan, that would be atrocious and very hard to read. Yeah, like but that. because, but that, but like the style, because it when was it drawn? Do you remember? Was it like seventies, uh, eighties? Like, yeah, it took a long time. Yeah, so it's like kind of this almost like Tezuka kind of style. Yeah, mm. I've drawn this too big. I have to make it smaller to make it less. Uh, <laughs> I have to make his axe shorter. <laughs> I, I need a shorter axe so I fit. I like. Uh, I've I've never drawn my peasant Sona before. What a what I would look like as a peasant. I'm yeah. a, I like the idea of just being a little mud guy. Have you, um, Nick, have you studied art in the UK or in the US? Um, I went to University of Brighton in the UK mm -hmm. and studied illustration. Not oh, specifically cartoons or animation or yeah, anything like that. Just illustration. And it was a is this the sort of thing I, I want edited out? It was it was it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> now you're second guessing everything. Is this interesting? 
Well, why not? I did a sort of ask me questions thing on Instagram earlier this year or last year. And someone asked, what is the least amount you can get out of going to university? And it was a really oddly phrased question because it took me, it made, gave me pause. And I thought, the least you can get out of it is nothing. <laughs> and then on top of that is debt is like you will have paid, you will have learned you know, what you could have learned anyway through doing things. What kind you will of have question made, is I made that? Many, <laughs> I made many wonderful friends at university and it's where I met my, my wife. That's not there. I don't get, I don't credit them with that, <laughs> you know, but good stuff comes from it. It's like, I don't know. I feel like I was buying time. I bought time to keep doing, keep drawing. And I'm certain I learned a few things, but it's hard to justify for the younger people listening and thinking about this stuff, it's it's funny to be in an industry where there's lots of autodidacts and people who pick things up online and find their own communities. It's it's hard to like put a price on that and convince yourself that there's a prestigious school to do. Oh, then now I'm saying that I do work with lots of people who went to Cal Arts and stuff, and I think mm. that gives them something. They have some edge over me, definitely, <laughs> but. <laughs> Do you feel though, like, I mean, I was just going to say, because I mean, and that's like a question, like a thing that's kind of important to me, because I'm also like from Europe and like getting, and I had to like get a visa and everything to come out here. Did you have to get a visa? And yeah, yeah. so like the university, I do want to always kind of like tell, I mean, I, I think most of the people who listen to the show are like in the US, but if you're in Europe, you do have to get a degree get the paperwork sorted out if you uh, want, eventually want to work in the u.s so yes. i would say like for that <laughs> for that yeah you do have to i didn't think about that <laughs> so it's not zero percent i've already now i have to backtrack <laughs> education is a wonderful <laughs> no i mean but i but i'm with you though on the like the debt is it, it's so hard to justify um, especially in the US. Especially say. in the US. Yes. I paid mine off. Mine was something like like um, 20 grand total, maybe. And I've paid, I'm 10 years out of, out of school. I've paid it off. I'm fortunate. And if I was, if I went to, yeah, CalArts or something, that's 100 grand minimum, right? And now maybe even more. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like buying a house almost. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what do you learn? You learn like the you, stuff you do from get, like, Richard really Williams, good... but huh? <laughs> I was gonna say you you do learn that, but I think you do get a really good network at CalArts, though. I feel like every time that I talk to CalArts, like like for example, Mike Moon was a professor there, and he was an exec at like Disney and Netflix. So that's the I kind see, of yeah. connection you can get very the early. Pipeline. Yeah. I recommend being outside of the pipeline because that's what I am. <laughs> that's what you know. So about. I yeah, what be, be the invasive species. You know? <laughs> Lean into what you have. Don't dream of being an insider. If you're listening to this and you're in, uh, I don't know, Mississippi, I don't, somewhere, somewhere outside of California, you want to come in and be different than the people that are in that pipeline. And use that to your advantage. Is that advice? I shouldn't be giving advice. 
I don't know anything. I mean, that's part of no, the I reason that, why we're ha we have you on is to, <laughs> is to maybe stumble <laughs> into some advice, even if it's on accident. Um, so, right. <laughs> so it's okay to give advice. At least talk about okay. talking about how you do it. It doesn't have that doesn't have to be yeah. a universal yes. thing. Yes, I should stick to my experience and not get too <laughs> too much speculation. How um... I do like to attack? I do like to attack the cow arts people. Though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so that's We're fired. It's so funny. I. But what is cool though about you? Um, and like your journey is that not only do you do boards and directing and like you have like one foot in, in the traditional kind of like, you know, studio system, but also you've like created shorts and you have your own webcomic and, and you've done all of these things like at once at some point, right? At once. Sometimes, sometimes they all fall on the same weekend and it, yeah, it crushes you. <laughs> But not usually. Usually, I don't know, I was lucky in that when things were winding down on fungies, I had time. And that time I just put into Kingley. And it was also, it was, you know, the pandemic. So I had not a, not a lot of other options for things to be doing. And then when we were getting out of that, uh, Pete Brown got, reached out to me and got me to do a cartoon cartoons pitch. And that's how the ornament came about. And that was... One of the best times ever in my life was working on the Ornamal and Kingly at the same time and just thinking like I've got two things that I've like helped originate and they're they're good and I like them. Oh, that's awesome. That's <laughs> a good I'm working feeling. on them. It's a really good feeling. And although they're very different they're two very different things. And then they're both built by the format that they are, if that makes sense. Like Kingly has to be a comic and the Ornamal had to be a short. And it had to be a lot more collaborative and open and squishy. And Kingley's a bit more. When did you realize that there was this sort of connection in between how you viewed illustration, like through storytelling and animation? Because some people keep them very separate. But I do think that comics and animation, storyboarding, all of that stuff kind of like weave in and out of one another. When did When did you make that? connection that you liked story based illustration mm. that's a dress how, how did I figure that out it seems like one of those things that is innate that you are just drawn to I think I, I doodle I draw in sketchbooks a lot and I find that when there's a story attached you can start interrogating that world and those characters mm. and you can start building and investigating with the drawings and it suddenly there's like a reason to do it it's a bit like you know turning your hand into a puppet so you can talk to it <laughs> and yeah. then then you're improvising and then you're you're outside of yourself and you're coming up with stuff that you wouldn't otherwise i love you that you bring up improvising do you feel have you ever done improv I've never done improv. I think that's something that is that I'm afraid of. <laughs> it's something that can be a little cringy, and I think the cringe keeps me at bay. And I ha I don't have a very good. I think I should come at that head on, and I would learn a lot. I'm still afraid. Greatness comes with a price. Partner, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> my partner is like a, a natural. I think 
she's one of the best improvisers I know. She's, I think she's done one or two lesson type things in that realm, but she's always been good at it. And for the ornamental, I did this beat board for the first pitch, which was just the sort of, you know, the bones of the story. And then I recorded Rosie, that's her name, uh, <laughs> Rosie, reading the light. She was the, she is the ornamental. And she would just sort of riff and she would sort of, and I would, you know, encourage that. And I was being sort of dry narrator of the, of the thing. And it started, we started sort of playing and then things came from that. And I was, the whole time, yeah, I was thinking, like, this is the way to work. This is fun. This is closer to, like, Dr. Katz or something, like a looser animated thing. But then I also, you, then you tighten it down later and, you know, it's not something you can do or something I've seen attempted when you're at studios. It's never quite that. It's like, I do like it when it's small and you have control and you have time to dream stuff up and follow strange impulses. It feels closer to what, like, art is <laughs> would you say that's kind of what your process is on kingly is like taking more time and like kind of letting things happen definitely i don't force it that's one of the luxuries of doing a comic while you also work in animation because that pays the bills and then you there's no pressure on it you know, there is sort of pressure on it. There was a lot of, there felt the pressure when I took like a year and a half to do the next yeah. <laughs> set of Kingleys. <laughs> yes. But, which is, you know, that's my fault for inviting that audience in and then liking it and then, you know, having a relationship with them, which is nice as well. But it's, it's suddenly there is expectation. And although that's nice too, and it keeps me, keeps me on my toes and keeps me doing it. Well, what was it, but, what was it like cultivating? that audience because did, did did you feel did you see things starting to grow or when did you start seeing your audience grow around kingly uh and was that like a, a new thing for you at all yeah that was a new thing i've never had such a nice such a great response to something and still there's still something people are complimentary about and you know i'll, I'll be I'll meet someone for the first time and they'll mention it. And it's, that's crazy to me just to like, Oh, Hey, I'm, Oh, this is my buddy. He works on this show. And he'll be like, wait, Nick Edward Kingley. <laughs> it's this crazy ego boost that you never think you never, I never thought I would have as a, as a comic artist. You think you're fairly anonymous and you dream of grand, you know, the grandeur <laughs> prizes. That's why we do all do it. Right. But, to get a little taste of it. It's really, really fun. And actually, um, wait, what was it? I don't know if I'm just going, I'm not answering your question, but suddenly it made me think about Heavy Manners and Comics O'Clock, the best. The best thing about last year for me was going to that over and over and seeing different people read comics and hanging out with actual people again in a real space. But that's a side, that's a part of the community especially here in LA where I feel like it's not a lot of opportunities for that. Yeah. But Heavy Manners provides that. And... My year has been so great at curating all these comics o'clock. They're so fun. And, yeah. and they're like free too. Like it's a, I don't know. It made me feel like, Oh, there's a comic scene in LA. It's like yeah. indie and cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is cool. 
Uh, uh, so cool. But uh, yeah, but then going back to Kingly, it's funny. I have a funny relationship with the comments and the the people. I like I like to occasionally I like to attack or I like to sort of I comment on a comment with a slightly not rude. I don't want to make anyone upset, but I will correct people <laughs> or I will try and push certain reactions I don't like and I do sort of in a weird way I'm not bullying them I'm not what's the how to, what's the right language I will make an example of someone is, it, is that like someone comment is that like someone comments underneath and like this comic is bussing and and you're like no <laughs> no it's not bussing <laughs> I have seen your stories though Nick I have seen your stories where you're like don't share the punchline. Yeah. You're going to share my comic. Don't share the punchline. <laughs> that's a recent thing that I regret. I guess this ties into, you were saying, uh, not to peek behind the curtain or whatever, but you're saying about failures in my life or like think times when I fucked up. I think that this is tied to that. Definitely. My, the way I interact online will oh, be my no. downfall. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> okay. Wait, I want to hear, story. I want to hear, I want to hear how, <laughs> Well, the story. Well, the quick version for that Kingly thing is like, I put someone on blast for posting the last panel, and then they DM me and said, "Please don't, please don't do that." Like, I'd like your comic. I just wanted to share. You know, they were just very honest with me, and I immediately felt like, "Oh, fuck!" Like I'm just sniping. I'm this. I'm. I'm not. I don't think I'm this way. But I'm up here. They're down there, <laughs> and I just. I am kingly. You're peasantly. <laughs> are you Nick? Are you saying you're you're Milad? <laughs> my life? No. no, it's got there's no autobiographical. It's nothing to do with my life. It's complete fiction. Any similarities are entirely coincidental. <laughs> I think it is funny though that your character is so. Like, he's so inept. And I feel like I don't see a lot of comics online, at least, like web comics with characters like that. You know what I mean? Like, and it's so, I don't know, it's so funny. Cause he, and then everybody around him knows everything that's going on and they just can't bring themselves to tell him. It's, I don't know, what, how would you, how did you kind of come up with the, the idea for Kingly? Like, did you, were you inspired by a character or did you just start riffing and was it all in I think it, yeah, it just started from jokes. I've always loved incredibly stupid characters. I think that's always like, if you can push that to the new limit of... Kingly's special because yeah, you can, he can see things and experience things and then they can just be gone the next moment and <laughs> he doesn't learn and he's... I, yeah, I do. Uh, now I'm saying I, I do feel a lot like him sometimes because of that. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's coming out. I think it's quite a human. It's quite a human thing. I mean, what do you mean though? You don't see that in comics. Do you think you see the opposite? Do you see like I capable just, characters? I feel like I don't see a, online. I don't see a lot of web comics with a main character who's super dumb. You know. <laughs> and I say that in like a very loving way but you know how he's just like he thinks 
there's like so many good jokes that you have where like he he believes that everything is like there forever like that's why it was so touching with like spoiler alert for people listening if you haven't read king lee yet pause go read the full comic and then come back to this interview but um yeah like you know there's like characters dying around him and he doesn't ever see it but then eventually there's a moment when he realizes one character has disappeared and it's like so heartbreaking because you know like for once he he i don't know if he learns that things are like permanent yeah. it's like might have forgotten that now. it's like a little kid le- like learning about what death is for the first time sort of that sort yeah. of uh yeah I like that joke. There's a joke about, I think it's about actors, or I forget where it originates from, but it's that when certain people walk into a room and they see a bowl of fruit, they think, oh, there's a bowl of fruit there. But when the actor walks in, they think, oh, someone's left me a bowl of fruit. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's King Lee, because the world is his. (laughs) Yeah, I think when you talk about characters knowing more than the main character, that makes me immediately think of Wallace and Gromit yeah. and how mm. Gromit is solving everything for Wallace and Wallace is completely oblivious. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's goes, that's like, uh, it's not Sherlock Holmes. There's the other things that are like that where the, the assistant is actually the one doing everything. And if it feels like vaudeville and it feels old and Inspector Gadget was like, like that. that. Oh, I feel like yeah. that. Yeah. Loved Inspector Gadget. Too. Yeah. And there's a little bit of like I don't know if you like that reference, but sometimes I I don't know. There's some stuff about Kingley where sometimes it kind of reminds me a little bit of Mr. Beans in terms of like how he's just oh, kind yeah. of like you know what I mean, like how he's so there's like something that's so very naive about him, and that's also kind of sweet. Um, yes, look, Mr. Bean, Blackadder, those are big influences, and. People say people suggest Rowan Atkinson for the voice of Kingley because that's also something that people comment a lot and that I would weigh in on. But I would say not Rowan Atkinson because he's an old Tory and I don't <laughs> want, <laughs> I don't support his worldview. I think he's just he's quite vocal too and he keeps being vocal about certain things and it's like I don't want to I don't want Blackadder to tell me about like what's woke because <laughs> he's black at it he's a fool and that's when i liked him but now he's you know yeah whatever <laughs> i liked uh jamie demetrio who's in a show called staff Lats flats which sounds like gibberish i think to americans because it's staff is his name let's is renting and flats are apartments so he's like a realty realtor and he's a he's a complete buffoon as well, and it's a very funny show. But oh, I was going to talk about my great failure. <laughs> I'm I'm realizing I cannot draw and no, talk you're, you're good. This is something many people realize. Yeah. Uh, yes. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cozy up to the mic and tell and tell of. So when the last short I did, Beetle and Bean, that came out. That took a really long time. For whatever reason, started. I feel like I pitched the clean storyboard of that in 2017. Um, when I was working on Apple and Onion. Oh. Uh, and I'll wait. I'll tell a quick. There's a little. There's something. This is 
this is a victory. I'll start with a little victory joke, and then I'll, I'll go. I'll it'll go to the, my failure. But when I first when I pitched Beetle and Bean, I did a little intro for myself, and it was quite. A, it was a good room. It was lots of like people I've worked with and friends and friendly people come to see this. It was a really nice room actually. It was maybe one of the best pitch experiences I've ever had. But um, but all the execs, the big wigs, are sat opposite as well. Rob Sorcher. Mm. Uh, he was the guy at the time and I said hi I'm Nick Edwards worked on the cancelled Uncle Grandpa cancelled Clarence and the soon to be cancelled Apple and Onion and everyone went whoa oh my god <laughs> because and it turns out not to be true it took a you know yeah 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 George was in the room too and he was you know I think he thought he thought it was funny it's the kind of thing I love jokes like that because you it's sort of what a joke is for it's to be cheeky <laughs> and upset people a little bit but then they laugh you know it's not a i don't think i hope that didn't maybe the, but this is maybe all tied into the same problem that i had that maybe i'm upsetting people and not i'm oblivious just like king but, um, <laughs> then so that's 2017 and then it takes a while i feel like there's some is development cartoon network and it's it takes a long time or it took a long time back and forth and maybe there's some visa trouble i can't even remember now for some reason it's finished and it comes out great team i should say <laughs> um lovely working with nick jennings and uh nick cross for a bit nick cross left i think part way through and then it was swapped over to nick Man, I, lo I love nick cross <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I he, he's legend. That, that dude is a genius. Yeah. Ah, oh. his. And the, you should have him on and find out how the fuck he like animates his own shorts whilst working on other animated shows. It's crazy. I, if we can find a way to reach out to him, I would love I'd to get him. I saw him. I've seen him. He'd love to as well. I think. I would be very excited. Maybe, uh, Getting yeah. the little rundown of how we get our guests on Creative Vlog. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works, the network. But um, oh my gosh, it's so, so Nick Cross was on the team. He was on yeah. the team at the time. He was. Wait, it was it was Mike Roth, Nick Cross, and then it changed to Nick Jennings and Paula Spence, mm. and oh Patrick Crotty, who wait you know, Patrick, you know was Patrick, he did backgrounds for Beetle and Bean. No and way! He was brilliant. Yeah, it was his first time doing something like that, what? and it was really fun. And he gave loads of notes. Never told me. That's crazy. <laughs> he would do backgrounds, but then he'd like give notes on my storyboards, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, all right, fair point." That's <laughs> so funny. But that was also that was an experience where I was like, "He's right. He's right about like this shot. I laid it out kind of badly, and his background. If he, we do it his way, it fixes that, and it's better. That's and that's so like." learning about that kind of collaboration too like admitting when you're wrong or like being open to anyone telling you no it's healthy yeah but patrick's great and his background's one of my favorite things about that and the score was done by my friend uh, callum callum bowen and that's also one of my favorite things and i worked again with him on all of great music i just and, i just oh. want to clarify real fast so when you pitched for beetle and bean um did you pitch it as a show like as a pilot or as a short because i kind of want to for the audiences listening i want to kind of 
talk about the difference about what it is like to pitch a show directly and then you get to make a pilot versus making a short that might be a pilot or might just right. be a short if that makes sense um, yeah i think the difference i think there's some there's lots of like legal stuff around it i forget where it was at at the time but there's something about they don't like the term pilot and i don't think they call it a pilot because mm. that connotes that it will be it is for making a series so oh. they prefer short mm. i think but the difference between beetle and bean and the all is that beetle and bean was through development at cartoon network so it was was working with specific execs and it was you know back and forth and trying to build something there that could be a show that had legs mm. to have more than one episode. Whereas the short is just a one thing. Maybe there'd be more, I don't know, you know, there's no promise really involved and it's just less, less back and forth and faster to make <laughs> because you're not having to okay things. And for me, I prefer to not have to okay things and to just move ahead with creative side. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel that. I feel like that's, as artists sometimes we have an idea and we just kind of want to make it and if we kind of like sit around and wait for too long then it's easy to kind of like lose motivation i, I feel yeah. like do you did you have to make a bible and like a bunch of other documents to go along yeah. with beetle and bean a a more substantial bible for beetle and bean i think for all of them it's just a page or two mm. and that's it that was and yeah no consideration of whether it could happen again <laughs> which, I've, which is nice i think you know you can retrofit something or you can expand on something if it calls for it but to be thinking about that before you've even made the thing is a bit putting the cart before the horse i think a lot of anyway, work then i so, <laughs> yeah. a lot of work and then it took a long time and then part of this problem with this thing is that it came out the big premiere i remember i was they were suggesting it was like, it was March, it was from February or March 2020. <laughs> and they were saying, do you want to go to Glass? Do you want to show Beetle and Bean at Glass Film Festival? Saying, Film Festival? Glass. What does it stand for? Animation, screening, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, oh, that sounds great. I'd love to go there. I've always wanted to like be around specifically those like independent animation people. Mm. Um, I don't know if you guys have watched scavengers rain yeah yeah i feel like oh. watch list but it's, it's really oh, it's, it's cool it's cool man it's cool they did it i was nervous for a second <laughs> there's that feeling like is it gonna be is the story gonna be it's, but it's all good because because it works as a animation. short and you're like how would they build this out into a yeah. a thing when yeah but they did and they do it's awesome and also sean Bucklew and charles Huetner had a podcast called movie buddies and i would listen to it and i would send them <laughs> questions <laughs> i feel like i'm a fan and one day i will meet them and it's gonna I'll, happen i'll be a fan to them and i'm saying again now if they're out there <laughs> i'm a big fan anyway that i was hoping to go to glass and i didn't go to glass because of you know covid but i remember it being suggested and then talking to someone at cutting and then they're like yeah you can't go and then i was on fungies and i remember lending lending a comic to the writer john McNamee, and he lent me lone wolf and cub 
And I still have his copy of Lone Wolf and Cub. <laughs> we were thinking like, oh, you'd give this back in a week. I'll see you in a week when this thing blows over. And it's like, yeah, four years later. I feel like that's what getting lent a comic is like. I feel like it's like, this is a present <laughs> to me now. You will never see this again. We probably won't yeah. talk again. <laughs> oh my God. Goodbye. And I've, yeah. not, I've not read it. <laughs> I've just kept it. <laughs> you just love having it. I- I had a friend who like specifically didn't want to lend me comics because I think that happened to him so many times over his life that he was like, I just don't lend comics anymore. Yeah, makes you shy. Yeah. But then, so then Beetle and Bean came out, I think June or July of 2020. And obviously there's lots of stuff happening online and in life then. Mm. And I had, I think I was on Twitter then. I mean, I know I was on Twitter. That's what this story is sort of about. Mm-hmm. And it came out and I engaged with people on Twitter. <laughs> oh, no. And it was terrible. It was a terrible idea. And I'm remembering now all my friends saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? And <laughs> messaging me and say, stop doing that. And I even started doing it on Letterboxd, which is a review movie review website that I like. And I started, people reviewed Beetle and Bean on there. And some kids gave it like one star and I wrote, someone wrote most boring eight and a half minutes of my life or something. And I wrote the comment, which is still there. I think I didn't delete this comment. I deleted most of my others, but my comment was thanks for sitting through the credits because eight and a half minutes <laughs> includes the credits. So it means that they were bored for that whole time. I don't know. Stupid. And, but this is all part of like, what a, thirst for community but not doing it the right way trying to engage with like these john k fans that are like animation now is is shit because of this and beetle and bean is the symptom of that and i was trying to talk to them like ah you know don't say that stuff or i don't know even pushing them for more critiques and stuff and it was it was i was going i was going i was going crazy and it was a bad it was a bad reaction I felt really, I felt like there's no, not that I thought my whole life was going to change when the short came out, but that you want, I wanted a cookie. I wanted something. Yeah. <laughs> and I go, go looking for it and then I just get into fights and it was just like, <laughs> it was a real, but you did have positive reactions to it though, right? I feel like, oh the, yeah, animation but I don't, but I ignore that. Zone in, zone in on the negative feeling and fight the negative <laughs> stuff. I just because love the haters. Cool. I just, you know, it's nice to have people like my stuff, but I really care about the people who hate me. Well, were there <laughs> yeah. any, were, were there, were there any, um, like repercussions to that that you could, or, or was it just emotional repercussions? <laughs> like just, just you uh, being like, oh, that didn't feel good. It was mostly me saying that wouldn't fit. Well, I mean, it didn't feel good to have a teenager like respond and say, "Ooh, mask slip moment" and stuff like this, where. They're pointing out how I am. They are seeing how I'm having a breakdown. <laughs> and they're reflecting that back to me. And I am, you know, it's like, it's like if a, I don't know, if a four-year-old stole your food or something, and then you push that four-year-old down and you're causing a scene and everyone's screaming saying, what are you doing? And you're saying, they took, they took my food. <laughs> and you're trying to explain why you're attacking a child not that these people were children they were i mean it could be boys, you know. men and boys i believe some of them could have been 
Some of them could have been six years old. <laughs> honestly, oh, yeah, you don't honestly, know. I think there was, yeah. There could, because I feel like we always have a segment where we talk about when we were on the show that got a lot of hate. <laughs> but uh, I feel like there's a moment you realize I'm talking to a 12 year old boy, and it's like, what am, yeah. Like, they're definitely online. Like, that's definitely reasonable. Six-year-old, I don't no, know if they're, I, I like, think, typing comments. I think, but, you I know. think what's worse yeah. is you realize that you're talking to, like, a 40-year-old a person about a show that's for 12-year-olds. And then and then, <laughs> and then, then you're like, well, but your opinion doesn't fucking matter here. I don't know. Well, Sean, wait, did you... Did you work on Thundercats also? No, no, no. I've worked on other things. Oh. Like I, I, I worked on uh, yeah. Pickle and Peanut was famous, famously hated. Also, I feel like, right. um, but yeah. I feel like we've all, I feel like everybody works on something that was not I think... good. <laughs> what, what, you yeah. know, here or there, right? It's like I feel like it's kind of funny to think of like. So I'm gonna turn this into a question for you i guess nick but like when you go on to shows when you, when you're wrapping up on a show and you're looking for your next gig what's your mind state of mind like are you are you looking for a specific kind of gig or are you just kind of like oh like i'll take the whichever next one comes along oh uh, i would like i'd be looking for something specific now it feels even more specific the stuff i'm the things I was used to, the things that were now I look back on and are the glory days, the good times at Cartoon Network, going from show to show. There's like multiple shows that I can fit into, sort of no problem. Not no problem, still learning. But I went from Uncle Grandpa, which is like, do whatever you want, crazy, cartoony, fun. Pete being like the most open, most like encouraging, one of the most encouraging people I've worked for. And then Clarence, which was being run by Stephen Neary at the time, and he was also really encouraging. And that was it. Didn't take didn't take me too long to learn. I feel like I had certain things that you feel like are in your drawing DNA. You know, yeah. I can do. I can draw Uncle Grandpa. I can draw Clarence. I can draw Apple and Onion. Was a bit tough. (laughs) (laughs) Having to learn, having to tighten it, tighten it for George. There was a point way later, like nearly when I was finished working on. Apple and Onion. I did, there was one joke where it's in one of the shorts that I think I did most. I did like we got to do shorts on our own storyboard on our own, and I did one called Sleep, and Apple's talking about how he hopes to have all sorts of dreams and stuff when he goes to sleep, and then Onion says, "I hope I don't have any dreams, just pure sleep for me." And George liked that joke so much and was like, "That you're now you've figured out you've." now you are writing the tone of the show and that was him saying that to me after like months of working with him and i was like you bust oh, <laughs> it's like no. nice to get that compliment it's like a backhanded but compliment also, like you haven't got it yeah. until now yeah 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 <laughs> well I, I i do think nice that conversation is interesting uh, uh, the the idea that um I, I think people naturally assume that like people that work on shows they're they can just adapt to whatever style uh, of show. And, and while that is true for some people, there are certain show styles that just do not come as easy. Uh, was was that an example of, of a show that didn't come as easy? Or, or have you had other things that you've worked on that you got onto the show and you were like, man, drawing this is harder than the other ones? <laughs> 
It's it's a funny one. I'm gonna make it sound a bit like witchcraft or something, but you can, depending on your power levels, <laughs> you can bend the characters to your will. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can take. Or well, it depends on how open people are too, and like yeah, the sort of collaboration levels of the show too. I, I don't know. Are you speaking about but, shorthand? Like shorthands, yeah, or influence you can actually have you can you, you can if you draw a, like a fucked up enough storyboard you can change the course of a show <laughs> you, can, you take the characters mean? i mean well there's uh, yeah, yeah. example one of the examples was after apple and onion was summer camp with alex klein hey. Yay. Yay. Uh, <laughs> on the show go listen to his episode after you're done with this one <laughs> yes and love alex hello alex and Loved working with him, and we got along very quickly. We, our relationship, <laughs> came very quickly. Like by day three or something, we were both making loud moaning sounds in the office to make each other laugh. <laughs> it's moved very quickly. Alex, and Alex is very good at that. <laughs> not, not something I would recommend to every person who's who's no. looking for advice on this particular podcast, but. <laughs> When you find your, mo- your moaning partner, you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what was I saying? But we, I don't know if it was, if we were just encouraging each other or our take on Oscar, one of the main characters of Summer Camp. I would make Oscar really stupid in a sort of, maybe even in a Kingly-esque Mr. Bean kind of way. There's one episode where I ended it with him, he like spilled something on his trousers and then pulled them down to reveal his like his tighty whities or his underwear and then he starts sort of shuffling because his pants his trousers around his ankles he starts shuffling and he falls out of a tree house <laughs> and like into a secret layer or whatever that's just the a surprise ending of an episode where he's fully a klutz and a clown and then i think i don't know how true this is or what but i remember hearing either from cole or from julia that they had a, they had execs say you have to make him less stupid, <laughs> like that he'd become too clownish through us doing that, through pushing that I think, and then they had to wind it back. I don't know if that I don't know how true that is, but I think that was a show that was collaborative enough and they were kind enough to let us sort of mess around with the characters a bit. But uh, that was yeah. Apple and Onion was tough. Summer Camp, not so tough. I feel to like we've worked mostly to... on board-driven shows, right? Right, that's the thing. I think that's why I'd be specific. Look, the show I'm on at the moment is script-driven, and it's the first time for me. And it's very different. I don't think... I don't think it's for me, if I'm being <laughs> honest. I oh, can yeah? adapt. I will adapt. Well, Also, when you're asking that question of, like, what do you look for when stuff winds down? It's like, are we, I think we're about to, or we still currently are in like the greatest, the great drought. Yeah. And yeah. I'll take whatever the fuck I can get is one of my feelings. I do wish for things that I can excel at, but I'll, I'll do, you know, I'm like, 
three, four, five, I don't know, seven months, and then I'll be, I'll work on Baby Shark, I'll work on fucking anything. <laughs> That's not true. Maybe not. And I shouldn't, sorry, so excuse me for saying Baby Shark. But that's my go-to, like, thing I that I wouldn't be comfortable on. I, I, I'll say that. That's fair, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. I did hear, though, that the the TV show, I don't know if it came out yet, but I heard the TV show looks really good. Because uh, it's true, when you watch the, like, clip on YouTube, you're like, ah. But then I'm kind of excited to see the TV show. I've heard some really good things about it. <laughs> you're excited. All right. Yeah, like, you watch some clips. I mean, do you guys like, okay. This is like a, a trap question for all of us. Oh, uh, boy. I guess you guys already kind of answered that question because you watch uh, Scavenger Rain. But do you guys watch cartoons? Right. Well, I was going to say, if you watch um, Baby Shark before you watch Scavenger's Rain, <laughs> I'm going to have to, I don't know, I'll bully you more. <laughs> yeah, comment on one of his posts and he'll say some <laughs> mean stuff. Like... <clears throat> Everybody I'll say mean comment. stuff to you online. Are you Team Baby Shark or Team Scavenger Rain? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I go through phases of of watching uh cartoons um and I think I tend to watch a little bit less American cartoons recently um mm. but uh I wish that I watched more it kind of bumps me out that I, you know what I I think part of the reason is I watch a lot of uh I watch a lot of things while I work and sometimes I feel like I'm insulting what I'm watching by not looking at it and giving it my full attention. And if I'm like working mm -hmm. on something while I'm watching it, and sometimes that's how I feel about it. like, I, I'm like, if I'm watching a cartoon, I want to be like wa watching it, watching it. And, and I feel like, like that's what, you know, that's how I would watch like suits. They're like, <laughs> like, like just like some, like just have something on in the background while I, while I work, so I tend to watch more stuff like that recently, but... I've been watching, I've been driving my partner crazy with how much I'm walk, watching and talking about Fleischer cartoons and old <laughs> Disney and old, all stuff like, if, it, if it's 1940, then it's too recent. <laughs> and just dreaming of one day, like, fully animating something all on paper or all on cells or not never using a computer again <laughs> you are going back yourself... in time <laughs> yeah do you consider yourself more of a an animator or an illustrator i guess i'm asking oh. this question because you do comics which i i perceive as a little bit more illustration-y than animation-y but you also yeah. do boards and i feel like i feel like um it's kind of funny because it's kind of funny that Sean and I are on are the host because I feel like Sean, you're a more animation type of board artist, and I, I think I'm a more illustration type of board artist. Where I'm like, I, I don't so put as many panels, and I just kind of like I'm in between, and I'm exactly half. <laughs> Is this Goldilocks? <laughs> I'm Goldilocks. <laughs> I'm just right. <laughs> just right. <laughs> You're a little too illustration V, and Sean, you're a little too animation. <laughs> but me, you, you, I'm just right. You sat in my porridge, and it feels just right. <laughs> yeah, 
I think I had someone ask me a similar question of like having to choose, you know, like choose one or the other. I'll and kill I just one refused. of them. I said, I'll kill illustration <laughs> or I'll kill animation. You choose. Whatever, I mean, I would, like... I would kill illustration. I wouldn't kill comics. <laughs> I would... Oh, yeah. It would be FMK comics, animation, or illustration. Right. Yeah. Kill, kill illustration. Ooh, do I marry or do I have intercourse with... I have intercourse with animation <laughs> and, oh, I marry, and I marry and I marry comics yeah that is definitely the way actually <laughs> I'm just uh, imagining like one of those animated like fight clouds like <laughs> like like just like super wild animation I think I, I would have said illustration or comics a few years ago but also during the pandemic I sort of tried to learn how to animate and try to catch up on all the stuff I didn't go to school for you know and mm. feeling feeling that the old the old imposter syndrome of having w been working in animation and I never I didn't have a student film you know I didn't animate mm. I didn't finish anything myself I'd done little bits here and there and I you know I always thought thought I could do it and then I sort of thought you know, I'm going to read the animator's survival kit and I'm going to try and do some of it. And I'm going to do some walk cycles. And at the end of the Ulnimal, I have, there's a credit sequence and I animated just on paper some characters walking from one side to the other. And I thought, nice, I've done it. I'm now, I can almost call myself like a proper, not, I mean, proper, you know, whatever my, uh, <laughs> whatever the, Whatever I need to earn to get, come into that club, I think I can kind of come into that club now and not feel too self-conscious. Hear that, and animators? And I hope I can go into the comics club. You hear that, animators who 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 aren't sure whether <laughs> you need to s spend money on a degree? You could just learn it if you, you if you put can. your mind to it and you watch enough black and white cartoons. If you watch nothing but <laughs> well, that came later too. I'm a real late bloomer on some of these things. I should say that. That's. I feel. Like, is that good advice for the young people? Late blooming, nothing better than a nice late bloom. Yeah. You really appreciate the bloom when you're old. I think this bloom is going ask... great. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask you about how you landed your first uh, animation job. How did that came about for you? I think the uh, the quick version I tell people, which is. You know, you tell certain stories over and over and they simplify and they change and they become uh, lies. <laughs> One of the lies is that, well, it's not a lie. I think this is sort of true. Secret Mountain Fort Awesome was on YouTube. Pete, I think, had put one of them on YouTube or a clip or something. And I watched that. I was in my second year at uni in Brighton. And I watched it and I thought, oh, this is great. This is, reminds me of like, old dirty gross mm. cartoons and i commented something like that all the other comments were negative all the other comments were like yeah this is gross i hate this <laughs> what's, that? what's happening to cartoon network all negative mm -hmm. it's kind of things you'd still get now you know people being like where's when's infinity train this sucks <laughs> but in 2012 so infinity train didn't exist then they're probably complaining about where's flapjack or where's i don't know anyway i commented something nice pete brown got saw my comment and he clicked on my name and that took him to my blog spot where he saw my work 
and then he hired me to Whoa. do designs. Hell yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's kind of, is... that's awesome, because I do feel like we talk on the show about, like, networking and, like, you know, but, like, and it always goes to show just be nice. Just be nice. <laughs> just be, it doesn't hurt. Just be nice. It doesn't hurt anything. Yeah. A comment, if you write the right, if you write the right comment, the best, if you are like a poet or something, I think if you can, you can just one line of a nice comment. Look at you hired. Like send a, yeah, an arrow through someone's heart and they'll remember it and they'll look at it. <laughs> Which is also, I guess, why when I was talking about getting fucked up by negative comments, I think some people are better at writing negative comments than they are <laughs> nice comments. <laughs> And if you could be as good, if you're as good as writing, if you're as, uh, if you could write a nice comment as well, at the same with the same incision and like, because you, if you're being fueled by hate, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you can write better. You're jazzed. You're firing on more cylinders. Whereas if you're fueled by love, you can be a bit sloppy. You know, when you're in love, <laughs> it's not it's not the same thing. The writing maybe isn't the same but whatever whatever that yeah that one comment or at least that's i like that story because the truth is i had already done a bit of work and i'm not sure how i got it you know i'd done some freelance illustrate uh, freelance character design for some shorts that never got made and i forget how those came about but i also knew also drew flapjack on my deviant art <laughs> and Thurup Van Orman saw it and he I think I then did some work he was he was working on a pilot for something and I did some storyboards that's one of the first storyboards I did was for one of his things I, can't, I think it was Dark Woods or it was one version of that where kids are fighting robots and the other person doing the storyboard was Matt Lazell and I remember seeing his boards and thinking, Jesus Christ, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, like, these are well, incredible. I mean, he's, he, his boards are so clean in the first pass. Like he, like he doesn't like need to do roughs. Like he just like does it and it's like, and it's good already. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. What's it? I'm not, now I'm looking at the drawings. These, uh, that guillotine is so good. <laughs> <laughs> You've drawn a guillotine before. It's a, it's efficient. <laughs> <laughs> Five in one guillotine. I studied for this one. <laughs> That's so good. Um. Oh, new page. Oh, I'm not on the wrong page. So right now we're um, right. we got a prompt that was uh what what's your worst fear and uh mm -hmm. we're we're each drawing mm -hmm. ours. What what's what's your what's your fear if if we can learn <laughs> so, the V is a un, an unclean shower. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like I have I have like very stressful night like i they're not exactly nightmares because i don't mm. feel like i'm gonna die but they're very anxiety ridden and it's and it's always unsanitary like public places that are supposed to be places of care or um getting clean if that makes sense it's like public showers or it's like hospitals or like that kind of stuff. I don't know. That. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, uh, it's funny because we just had spooky season, you know, watching lots of horror films. Yeah. What? I don't. I used to be so afraid as a kid. 
I had so many fears, but they've all sort of numbed myself. I watch lots of horror films and I feel like quite detached from feeling scared. Uh watched Hereditary the other day and when the mum chases him upstairs, mm-hmm. that's still that's still one that gets me because I remember I had a lot of nightmares when I was younger where my mum wasn't my mum and she a bit oh Babadook too. It's this sort yeah. of Someone you love changing and then having wanting to hurt you, you know, and you sensing that is really that is, horrifying. Yeah, I I had a dream. I had a recurring nightmare when I was a kid, which was basically my mom would come home with uh basically the you know an alien when he's when he's just like a little baby and like popping out of yeah. the tummy, and yeah. and that so she would come home but with that version of the alien. So oh. it would still be kind of cute because he's so small. <laughs> and she yeah. would come home and she'd be like, but look, he's so cute. Can we have right. it? And I, <laughs> that was the only one I was like, it's going <laughs> to kill us all. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that says a lot, you know. I know, right? I, I like one fail. inviting in a, a caustic. I, I'm just scared of uh, sawing off my own head like in Hereditary. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. No, I'm 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 scared of uh my my biggest fear is bridges, driving off a bridge and then Ooh. and then the car sinking uh while I'm in it and and I can't get out. That's a good one. Ooh, yeah, yeah, drowning <clears throat> sucks. Can you watch that in a movie, or does that send you over the edge? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I have a fear that sends me over the like, like you know those like uh like those episodes of like Maury where they bring out a jar of pickles and the pickle lady like screams and cries and runs off stage. Like I don't have like a fear that's like that, but I, I have yeah. a few fears where I'm like, like my butthole is so clenched when I drive over a bridge. Uh, uh, like say, same with escalators, elevators. Like there's something about mm. like final destination, like things yeah. that, uh, you're worried a Rube Goldberg machine is gonna <laughs> yes. kill you. Yeah, that's why I Wait, can't watch Wallace and Gromit, dude. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's got those Rube Goldberg machines. I'm like, one of those things is gonna. There's gonna be a little titty catapult that <laughs> that that <laughs> launches something at him. What about okay? What about hornets though? I feel like hornets are really scary to me. I hornets. think I could like start crying. There's a hornet that hangs out near. Our, we have compost. Just one. There's always a hornet there. Just one. I, th- I swear it's the same guy. Big black hornet. Oh, and he crazy. zooms around. And he's not interested in me, so I'm not too afraid of him. But if he was interested in me, I would be. T- I would scream and run. But hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about. It's all about what they want. I think I, I would be you more know, scared I've... of them if I was allergic to bee stings. Oh, so uh, you can take the pain? You can be like, ah, it's going to suck for a couple hours. Yeah, I mean, it's all the time I just run through hornet's nests to train and just, like, <laughs> harden myself, you know? No, I, I mean, I've had a few experiences with, like, running through a bee's nest or something or, you know, and then having to run away because they're stinging me or whatever, but uh, I don't know if it scared me as much as... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think heights are a little bit of a... I, I, don't, I don't like roller coasters either like i I don't like tricking my body into thinking it's dying uh and and i and i think that (laughs) yeah i don't know i'm not much of a much of a thrill seeker 
Mm. Nah, me neither. I like, I do like insects. I mean, I like them, but they're a great one for fears, for mm. creepy things. I'd like to use them a lot in stories yeah. to creep people out. I also love, but I love um, birds. I'm a big bird fan. And that's something that terrifies I forget, I get, I get lost in them and I talk about them and tell people about beautiful birds, California. And then someone recently was just like, oh, they'd scare the shit out of me, birds. Because, you know, that's like a classic phobia, I think, along with spiders. And oh, really? Like Birds a... is a big one for irrational fear. Oh, interesting. Because they are sort of alien. They're little lizards. You know, they're, they're dinosaurs. They move strangely. They're... Oh. That's all. <laughs> when, when they flap me, right? <laughs> and it's also like the eyes. It's like they're kind of like almost not that they're not like soulless, but like they have. There's it's kind of like lacking. No, it's been confirmed they have no souls. Yeah. They're no souls. <laughs> <laughs> only man, only humans. Only humans. What? Only humans are chosen by God. I mean, have to you have you ever to... have you ever seen like a pelican just like run up to a, a pigeon and swallow it whole, and it's just like the pigeon is just yeah. moving around. It's like neck sack pelicans or whatever are pelicans are scary they're very prehistoric they're scary, they, when you see when you go to the beach in la you see them all flying going home for the day or whatever and there's like 20 of them all all with that same like bent wing they look like pterodactyls i think i think one mm. of the scariest birds is um is that shoe bill have you ever seen the yeah, shoe? The, that, the one that clicks its beak and it sounds like and it harms coconut it, harms it sounds its like children. coconuts Oh yeah, like yeah, if yeah. They have two kids. One does better than the other. It'll start like punishing the weaker one until it until it dies. <laughs> mm. it... And when they personify them, like they do on planet Earth or whatever, you really feel it. And they put you know creepy music mm. behind. Or they can also do that thing where they keep their heads perfectly still when they're hunting, like locked yep. in space. Oh. Their heads. That is. I still. Yeah. This is, oh. <laughs> this is a light animation podcast. Welcome to Creative Block. <laughs> yeah. where we talk about top murderous top murderous birds uh <laughs> that's so funny i um yeah i was gonna say because you're talking about bugs and how you like bugs because you kind of have like your short you know and bean and like the, the animals yeah. a, a little bit almost like a bug he does look a bit like a bug <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a lot of especially watching old animation like um silly symphonies and yeah the old flasher they there's a lot of bugs i think because they're small mm-hmm. <laughs> easier to draw and easy to read from far away and i i like i also just yeah they feel both like everyone knows them everyone's interacted with them and yet and yet maligned you know misunderstood bug well I, I thought i thought that scarab beetles crawled under your skin like in the mummy and and yeah. so i so i was like super scared that there were bugs that just like would crawl under your skin and burrow into your brain just running all around <laughs> like so so i don't know maybe i think that there's a lot of like you said malignment of, of bugs in in media yeah well, that's what, that's what I thought was about to happen in your grimy shower, V, is that you'd go in there for a shower and then a silverfish would run straight up your uh, butthole. I feel like <laughs> silverfish are like... I've had. Okay, I do think bugs 
entering purchases <laughs> is very scary. However, I yeah. would not be scared of a silverfish because they're actually good what? for your bathroom. They're good. Fine. They like. You I thought you were going to say they're good. For, they're actually good for your butthole. Okay. For your butthole, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. They're like they like eat all the dry, like all the like little skin or like they eat all of your dirt. Basically, is why mm. they're good. They're kind of like spiders, but instead of spiders eat the other bugs, they hunt my flakes. They eat all of your, yeah. All uh... of your... <laughs> they're kind of gross. They hunt they're... my flakes. <laughs> the, the most vicious flake hunter. That's the worst the phrase. That's the worst thing I've heard. We found it. We found it. We've been looking for it. <laughs> Grossed me out. Oh, I like that. Though. Oh, that's those are just my silverfish. <laughs> they aren't my flakes. Sometimes Don't worry they about get it. really big. Sometimes they can get really big. I think they could get big like your nail. And then like you have nail. to, then you have to create yeah. bigger and bigger flakes, or else <laughs> you're like, I need to instigate dandruff. <laughs> like I, like I have to keep feeding these guys. This okay, is so. Incredible. This is so. Good. This just, is the grossest being... episode we've had. I feel like was it. <laughs> I think. I feel like yeah. I don't know. We're just going off the rails. No, it's okay. It's, it's okay. Though. I'm really enjoying. <laughs> because I feel like a lot of this podcast is just talking like animation shop, and I do kind of relish moments where, like, I don't like to interrupt the the moments where we're having just like we're just like genuinely talking about whatever with. Like, okay, let's get back to shop talk. Because, I mean, every once in a while we do yeah. that. But um, it's well, nice. I was thinking, oh, sorry, I had the thought. I had a question for you guys, which is like, what are you into that isn't this? Is that you have things in your life that you are as, as passionate about, like work and animation? and Oh, you mean something that's that, not art? That aren't, that's not art. Oh, that's hard. He's like, <laughs> what is not art? What, what, what I, that is. I, I I go through this all the time like I need a hobby and I'm not like trying to think of a thing and then I'm just like I guess I guess you could potentially say I was thinking about it the other day I think potentially I could say probably psychology because I listen to a lot mm. of true crime and I read a lot of like self-help books and I read a copious amount you like technology um, stuff like, too I feel yeah. like I, I like I like technology too robots interesting so you would, if you weren't an animator, you'd be helping solve uh, cold cases? I mean, I think <laughs> I would, like a part of me wants to say yes, but also when you listen to the interviews on like what it actually is like, I don't know if I have the tenacity for it because you hear these like investigators or like sleuth and they're on the cold case for like over 10 years sometimes 20 mm -hmm. years and i i'm too tunnel visiony like, for that i could I, I would yeah i i would unravel i think yeah you you need like a special kind of focus for that and i don't know if i have that but i would probably but i would probably be into like be a I don't know, maybe like a therapist or like kind yeah. of a coach or like that kind I of also, thing. I also wish there was a, a Sherlock Holmes investigation path where you didn't have to be a police person. <laughs> like, like I wish that was yeah. a, a more, like a, a more well, available option for being. So, but this is really cool. This is something that I just learned in one of the millions of true crime podcasts to listen to. Is that <laughs> there is this thing that is called. Um, Vigilante. 
No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Vigilante. It's like, uh, oh, shoot, I forget the technical term for it, but basically you can be uh, trained in DNA genealogy. So basically you can, uh, like, you're, you're, you're training, like, family trees and stuff and how to trace people and how they're connected through family. And with the new technologies of DNA, when you have a cold case and you have a tiny little bit of DNA that's left from the like crime scenes yeah like a little piss a little speck yeah like sometimes it can be with the hair but i just realized that apparently if you don't have the root of the hair you don't get the full dna so if you just get like the like a little like if i cut my hair and you get only like the bottom part of my hair it's not going to be i feel like you want to be a silverfish is that what you're talking about (laughs) you're just looking for flakes you just want to hunt flakes (laughs) I like dandruff because it's got full DNA. <laughs> uh, I should say piss doesn't have any DNA in it. No, no, so. I don't. Unless no, you ate a piece of yourself. Wait, drank a piece <laughs> of yourself. Wait, no. I think that would be in your stool. It, yeah, it doesn't have. We'll it doesn't have any. I, yeah, I, I, that's what the kidneys do. They remove that stuff. Yeah, I don't think I it think. does. I don't think that works. <laughs> but. Uh, I told myself I wouldn't do this either. It's like, get onto topics, which I know nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, well, that's the thing. But we, we want a bunch of commenters proving us wrong because that means they're commenting. So, like, if you guys ah, yes. uh, okay. know a lot about this and you want to comment, like, we love fostering arguments in our chat, in our, in our comment section. Yes. What does a kidney do? What is in my piss? I want to... Uh, we, we got, like, a ton of questions from Instagram twitter and youtube and i'm excited to kind of talk about more of kingly because a lot of these questions are about yeah i love talking about kingly let's see let's i want to i love this question so much so i'm gonna like ask it right now all right Blurton627 on YouTube asks if Milud, I can't, I can't pronounce it properly, my lord, is, is he redeemable? Milud. <laughs> is he irredeemable? Is he redeemable? Can he? Oh, is he redeemable? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to take it very seriously <laughs> and say, if you think <laughs> redeeming, if you think, if you think whether or not a character can be redeemed is like the point of a story or whether that's if that's something you're looking for or thinking about i don't know just as not there's not something i think about it's something it's interesting to me i like seeing how far i can push people away from kingly <laughs> and seeing how you know he threatens yeah. he threatens to kill cute dogs that's one of the main things i've had him do and yet people still read it you know and people and my friend one of my friends joe she loves the dogs and whenever they are featured she like will message me and say nick my heart is in your hands <laughs> these things to, for me to not hurt the dog you know and i'm not going to hurt the, it's not you know i'm not trying to hurt people <laughs> but it is it's playing with it's, i guess i am i am thinking about redeemable or irredeemable i get I, I get the question behind the question there but i it's not a moral it's not a moral play it's not a moral uh it's not a moral universe that i'm trying to portray it is a 
things happen. That you know, there's lots of the dogs now, and now some of them might get hurt. <laughs> that might be at the hands of King Lear. We don't know, but I think he's. I think always. I think always redeemable. I think that's like one of the things. Now I'm just. Now I'm just going with it. <laughs> he is redeemable. <laughs> well, I, I feel, yeah. I like, feel... what would make him irredeemable? Yeah. In your... Irredeemable would be. I've thought about this in terms of like trying to kill other characters that go on forever, like Spider-Man or mm. Mickey Mouse or something. Like if you made them, if you made them irredeemable, it would be that they did something that had a real life, like a negative real life effect. I'm not sure what that is. I think I never want to go. This is dark. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to go see. Although I did. I'd never really want to go see a Joker film or a Batman thing in the cinema because in America because I'm afraid of being shot. Does that make... Is that how you kill a character? Is that how you turn people away from something? Is like there is such bad vibes around that, about around Joker and the like, you know, that... I would have to do that with Kingly. Kingly would have to become like Pepe the Frog, Edgelord, <laughs> mm. or like cultivate that kind of atmosphere, mm. and then have real world repercussions, like with Pepe, I guess. Mm. Pepe's come back, you know. I don't know if he's been redeemed, but well, yeah, well, the creator's working really hard on it. I'm really hoping we can get Pepe back because it's really sad what happened. I think it's coming back yeah. around. But do we need? Do we need Pepe? <laughs> I, I, I well, think I think it's a, coming back around, just, you know. Yeah, he was just a uh, he was he was just a stoner, right? Was that the character? It's just a stoner. It's just a comic character that was a stoner yeah. in a comic, and then, uh, but I I think that he's becoming more neutral on the internet again. I, I think that mm. I think mm. it's coming back around. Um, I haven't watched the documentary on it. Uh, oh, it's good. Yeah. I recommend. Yeah, I need to watch it. Yeah, I have a I have a oh, piece of there's a piece of my art that's in the documentary. Is it really? Yeah, posted on a a school shooting message board. Someone uses one of my gifts to uh, re react to something, Whoa. which is oh weird God. to see. <clears throat> our our cultural impact. I think we do have to think about that as cartoon people. You have to think about. I feel like this is like like your art can slip out of your fingers anytime and you don't know what's going to happen. I feel yeah. like I think about this all the time because I'm posting all of my stuff online and anybody could come in and grab any of my drawings and just just completely flip the narrative from what I originally yeah. imagined with whatever they write on it or whatever they, they, you know like I feel like like I don't know it's scary but I feel like I have to tell myself that I'm not in control. Like I, like as soon as I post it, I'm not in control of anything anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Pepe is special, right? Cause he came at just the right time. It's always just the right time. Yeah. With those things because it's earlier internet. It's sort of, I don't know, Matt Fury. He's not, he didn't get in the way of, he didn't have a, there's not a self-destruct thing built into Pepe and he didn't get in the way of his character. You know, it's like, mm. it's a great character. Makes sense. It's a fun, it's a great comic. I love that comic, Boys Club. 
I think mm. I think memes but. are kind of like an ink blot test. I I think that um because most of the memes that do the best are it's just like a basically a blank. It's like a smiley face that other people can put their own relatable you know what experience on like it's like the blank face that you can put yourself on or whatever and so a lot of the times when things like this happen there's not even any irresponsible intent that the artist had or like even like a mess up that the artist did it's just the right or the wrong person in this instance found this ink blot and was like i relate to this and you know and and the wrong person can post you know a certain smiley face and then all of a sudden everyone's like is that smiley face a secret signal to the alt-right <laughs> you know i don't know like yeah. <clears throat> i wonder that i wonder if it's when you say memes that do the best that makes me think i don't want anything to do the best i don't want anything i make to do that well to to slide and snowball mm. and you know it's, and we're saying do well it's like is it yeah that's it, that's probably the it's wrong like, way to to, to no, the, the most I popular yeah the the most wide-reaching yeah. yeah i feel like you must if you make that wish or you want that to happen then you get then you're gonna get you're entering into that arena and it could go badly but i think my reaction or my response my feeling with my own work is that just never let it never like, let the bus go above 60 miles per hour just let, let's keep like it kind of. i think it's as simple as like like if you drew for instance an executioner in your comic someone could take that executioner and make it the the, the centerpiece of like a revolution attempt where they're like let's execute all the leaders and 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 you like what you and wouldn't have any <laughs> you wouldn't have, i mean you wouldn't have any control over whether someone did that it's just if your stuff is online your stuff is on is online and it's i guess all art is at the mercy of <laughs> the crowds i guess it's a it's a it's a weird thing the uh the idea of like relinquishing ownership in some ways of when when you put your yeah. art out into the internet it's like as much as i want to say that i own that uh, it's sort of out of my hands if someone wants to just do whatever with it and you see that all the time with like either art theft or like memes or whatever whatever it is like you know it yeah. it stops even being related to you anymore so i don't i, I want to mention that on instagram swamp alex was very excited about you coming on the show because um they asked a lot of questions and <laughs> we're gonna get to as many as we can but I feel like we kind of like brushed a little bit on the like Chingley's comedic influences. Yeah. Also, Swamp Alex, come on. One question per person. This is something that burned me when I did the ask, ask me anything thing. Some people, some people ask so many questions, but I didn't realize it was all from one person. So I would start answering them. And then I never got to the people. Oh, right. Ask me anything, not ask me as as many as you want. (laughs) (laughs) But I know, I know this person. I talk to them. They DM me sometimes. Uh, We can talk about any extra questions you have. DM me. I'll I'll, I'll go through them. I, I do like the questions that are like, what inspired it's like the format they ask vignette structure but i i guess because you 
draw them as a strip, right? And then you cut the panels for Instagram. Like how, how, yeah. how do you, and what made you choose that format? I think just page sizes. It started sort of as a, so I did this comic called It Had To Be You, which is a, not a great title, but it's just about sort of blob guy who has a bad time. And it was my first, my first time making a comic in a, in a while. And it was when I was working on, I think I was on Clarence when I came up with the character, but then it was Apple and Onion. And it was the sort of downtime between revisions and, you know, frustrations on working on that show mm -hmm. that led to me pushing and doing this comic. And then in the margins, King Lee came out. Well, Kingly came out as a sort of a bit like Crazy Cat. I don't know if you know about Crazy Cat, but like that was a tiny comic at the bottom of a bigger comic, and then it became the big comic. You know, they start out in the wings as like a little idea, almost subconscious in the back of your head, and then it either gets a good response or you just feel an affinity to this character. And there's something very simple about Kingly that just worked. It works as a comic and works for me still because. It's small and simple and like wasn't meant never meant to be anything big <laughs> but now is is still I'm still working on it, you know, six years later. And what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the like what inspired its format. That's so cool though. That <laughs> format. Yeah. The format came of its own it chose its format and I think I, I had someone also message me recently about like writing and they were worrying about writing a big thing mm -hmm. and how they didn't consider themselves writers or they they weren't sure how to go about it. I never really considered myself a writer either, but I can I now feel fairly confident in that I can write a joke and I can write a short thing. No problem. Mm -hmm. But that is writing. And it turns out if you do that over and over again, that's a story. <laughs> and that's a long thing. And that's just what happened organically. It's leaning into your own impulses and, you know, I'd also sat on it for a really long time. I think that's an, another part I have to talk about is my immense privilege. I always have to start with that. It's like, I had the time. I had, I drew it. I didn't do anything with it. I put out the other comic. That was fine. And, and then it was in, it was during the pandemic where I was like, I'll just show Kingly. I'll see what people think of this, and people liked it, so worked out really. Good. And it's like three years from drawing it to showing it, which is sort of it's a weird thing to recommend. If I'm if hey you're like twenty and listening to this, draw something and then forget about it for three <laughs> years and see how you feel. Like, why did you uh, decide? Like, why did you not show it to anybody? I'm really interested in that aspect. Why did I not show it? You know, I think I've always this is. I've always had a tense relationship with online mm. and I think that comes that comes back to my talking about Twitter and stuff. It's like, I know it's bad. I know there's something wrong. I know it's also a beautiful thing online. You know, I live far away from my family and I can talk to them <laughs> through, through you know, Zoom as well. And also my friends on like Letterboxd. That's like how I keep up with certain friends back home and the internet has wonderful things you can do with it but i really am spiky and i don't trust it and i don't like instagram <laughs> <laughs> even though it's my main you know I, that's where i put kingly yeah 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 it's 
I don't like it. I don't like that it's out of my control. Someone else is pulling the strings and it could change any moment and it would change all this work, you know? I hate I hate Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, well how about how about uh you you were Four. you were asking us what your if you have hobbies outside of art. I don't know if we ever heard your answer. Do do you have Oh, bird watching. Bird watching. <laughs> the thing that during also during the pandemic that I struggled to find I like music and I like playing guitar and I wanted to learn piano. Still still say that. It's like the thing I torture myself with. Mm. But the always struggle to come up with hobbies that are outside, that are not screen and are not inside, you know? Mm. And then for my 30th birthday, Rosie got me Noculars and Sibley's Guide, Sibley's West, but a book of, you know, a bird watching book or a book for helping you identify birds. And it was just exactly the right time. And then I just started going out and looking for birds. I draw them. You know, I think it is connected. Everything, I do connect almost everything to drawing at some time. So, well, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's hard, hard to think of a non-art thing. Birds, in many ways, are like art. Because <laughs> 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 they're so beautiful. They're art that got loose. <laughs> that's why when yeah. you asked us, like, oh, something that's just not art, I was like, that's a trick question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, um, I noticed your Skeletal Remains shirt. Yeah. I played my band's first show with Skeleton Remains a long time ago. Did you? Yeah. I'm, I'm, wow, I'm, I'm, you sat on that this whole time. You saw my shirt when I came on the Zoom. Well, I and you I, not I, said. Well, I, I'll, so all I can all all I could see for a long time was Lethal, and I was like, I recognize <laughs> Lethal, and so I just I realized now I in the background I was I was googling their logo. I was like, that's the, that's their logo, right? Lethal. But yeah, I, I'm in, I'm in a. Uh, a band that writes about war history. I'm in a death metal band. Um, so that's what I do I'm outside. I'm aware of this band. Really? I know. Well, <gasps> Alex wouldn't talk about you because he, he'd know I was a metal guy. Oh, that's he's cool. Like, you should meet Sean. He's a metal Oh, guy. that's I awesome. Like, I would love to meet Sean. I'm sure it will that's happen. That's very sweet. Look at that. It's happening right now live. Right, right, in front, right in front of everybody. But yeah, so that's, I, I, I would say that's my main outlet outside of art. And yeah. it's a good one for good frustration, one. getting out frustration. and uh, It's yeah. the best. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying the other day when, when things aren't like clicking at work or, click, or in life, you know, things aren't hitting. The best thing ever is to listen to something that is pure hits. <laughs> it's just pure pummeling. Sure, sure. Synchronized fucking maximalist noise. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. And it is a good app. And I, yeah, and I got this T-shirt going to see Defeated Sanity in uh, Ch- Chain Reaction. In, yes. What's it called? What's it called? That place? Where's Disneyland? <laughs> Anaheim. Anaheim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to, drove out to Anaheim on my own and saw Defeated Sanity. And then I saw them again the next year with a friend. But um, That's awesome. when it, first time I saw them, Skeletal Remains was supporting, and I was blown away because. They are, they are like, how would you say, from just listening online before, I was like, oh yeah, death metal, yeah. And then when I saw them, he, ca- he comes, there's like a, they have a, like an instrumental sort of track playing, and then he comes out in the dark, and then a blue plume of smoke shoots up <laughs> in front of his microphone, and he goes, and then it like, started this show, and I was just like, 
these guys are fucking great. <laughs> that was really good. I love that. Stuff. That's funny. Hell yeah. Birds and death metal. Birds and death metal. Like a very quiet hobby and a very loud hobby. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I just, I'm, I'm going to take it back to Kingly because we have like a bunch of other questions that I think are yeah. really cool. Yeah, let's do it. From um, Art and Such, Evan asks, what's your process like for making a Kingly strip? How long does it take you and what are your favorite tools? Because that's cool. You, you do it traditional. Yes, which I didn't, you know, when I started doing that, I didn't think that was, I didn't think that was like a, a comment or a political stance I was going to have to take. But it, more and more, I feel like I have to be like, I want to draw on paper. I don't want to draw on the screen. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, you know, not knocking screen. If you like screen, go for it. You can, I mean, animating on screen makes a lot more sense. But I love my uh, Hunt 102 nib. That is a good nib for inking. Robert Crumb used it. Dave Cooper used it. I think that's why I started using it was because I got really into Dave Cooper's work when I was at uni. And just gives, you know, night, you can really taper the line and you can really scratchy small or you can go thick. And ink is just great. Black and white is great. It's <laughs> all you need. And paper is Bristol board. I don't know. I feel like I've gone over this, some of this stuff, but I'll take the opportunity to say, Drawing for real and then having originals, mm. you know, it's lovely to flick through and to go over stuff again or, you know, what was the question? Yeah, what's your process? <laughs> the first for, part was difficult. Yeah. Process for writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that's tougher to describe because I don't really, I don't do it. I'd not like, I've never really understood, is it? Stephen King that talks about like sitting down. And you just write it. Every you day, just do it. it. Just write. <laughs> <laughs> Not never really worked for me. I think I have to be in the shower or I have to be really coffee. It's really hard to draw on paper in the shower, though. I'm sure that you really. That's true. <laughs> or to write. You have to paper. hold it. You have to hold that thought, yeah. and then yeah, fall into the shower curtain, and then roll. <laughs> <laughs> your head on me yeah but the the best the best way i thought well, the best time i feel like i was cycling somewhere and i was drinking coffee and i was coming up with a few thumbnailing out a few kingly strips that made me laugh and thinking this is this is it i'm doing it that's the writing part but then the tough part is all everything after it's like putting it down putting it on paper like properly mm. doing it in red pencil doing it on the Bristol board, then looking at it and then thinking about it. And then maybe I'll show it to Rosie and then she'll give me some feedback. God bless her. I wish she'll write stuff for me <laughs> and I'll exploit her for that. And I'll use that and I'll, I'll credit her. I'll say it. I'll try it now, but it's still not enough. And I still can't, you can never say enough. Like the people who you do not see and do not hear about and do not claim their rewards, much like sell painters, in the golden age of animation, all the women and all the people that help and who do not get the credit because, you know, Walt Disney stamps his name on it at the end or whatever. There's many aspects to writing that I cannot get across now <laughs> at, at, at this time. But do that, exploit your loved ones, <laughs> drink coffee, and then 
you'll have something there. And then it's then the toughest part of Kingly is the sequencing, which I also ask for help with. And it's like how how I shuffle all those sort of funny vignettes into something that looks maybe like a story, even though you lose the thread and the plot constantly. And I'm sure everyone is wondering what is happening with the war that I started in the last chapter and <laughs> these things that I haven't come back to because I thought that would be helpful to leave threads open. And then I take so long coming back to them that it feels like I'm not feels like I'm not good at writing and I don't know what I'm doing but in fact I do and I and it's all part of the plan and everyone will see when I I do like what you're I saying sown. though that you plant all these seeds this is a little bit how I started Rodney where it was just like I'm just gonna put throw a bunch of mysteries and a bunch of like loose ends that I'm not gonna tie up and now that I yeah. want to get closer to the end, I'm I'm rereading everything, and I'm like, I gotta tie this up, tie this up, tie this up. But it's cool because then people are like, "Wow, you're such a genius! You're like thinking <laughs> like this long." And no, it's just like I'm just gonna plant a bunch of seeds. And I'm gonna wait yeah. <laughs> until it's it the is, right. It, I would say it's especially cool if you are measured and you don't plant too many if you don't yeah. set so many traps for future you yeah you'll be very grateful because i was I, I, i'm a little annoyed with past me i'll be <laughs> honest <laughs> how many how many traps i set how many things i left because you're not supposed trap. to set traps for your, yourself you're supposed to set them for <laughs> for other stuff that you're yes. hunting yes which which one is like the which which tra which like little seed did you plant that you're like ah this one though like a little bothered with I guess although I'm bothered with yeah the jester really <laughs> I love him though I like him too but I haven't had as much stuff for him to do I think he's sort of waiting in the wings a bit that's recently, what I like about I him though I feel like every yeah. time you pull him out of your little character closet yeah. he's you're we're in for trouble <laughs> yes i suppose yeah he brings mischief <laughs> he's he's a phony <laughs> what about i think sorry i was gonna ask you about the the goblins i feel like you had little creatures like mm. kingly was really scared of the goblins or was it the goblins or what was it yeah yeah that's coming back don't worry <laughs> you heard it first on creative <laughs> block <the> everybody <laughs> There's things, that's the other thing, it's part of the, I think, the discipline is like realizing you have everything you need to work with in the first few things, you in the first chapter, or I shouldn't, I expanded on a few things mm. in the second chapter, and there's more, more work for myself, but if I was really disciplined, I would just be working with that first bunch and be satisfied, but I, for some reason, you get, you just get greedy and you just start like yeah, coming up with characters. And now I'm like, oh, I have to kill these characters so I can move on. And yeah. I mean, it becomes a very tangled. Pl plague way. is a good device for, for those yeah, times, plague right? Is a good device. <laughs> for, for and you. It's right around that time. <laughs> I think I really didn't want to do plague because of the current plague in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It gets real political. Like, it's like everybody yeah. who wore a mask, like, doesn't get yeah. sick. And then people are going to be writing <laughs> in, like, wow, I, I, I never thought that this is the kingly would be yeah. pro vax. I don't know. Yeah. I never want to mirror current times too. Sure, sure. 
too clearly. Yeah. But that is a there is a timing there where playing at the right time would be just right. Like your friend, your friend saying my wife, like the right distance from Borat. <laughs> you know when it was sure, first sort of funny sure. to ironically say that someone hit it just right. Now it's now just saying it. Then I feel disgusting. <laughs> you know, it's good past its time. I it's so it's so funny. I I wonder. Somebody also asked if you have a a writing schedule. I guess you just no no okay. Answer <laughs> that. So Angel Pearson six nine six. You heard it. No writing. Sorry. <laughs> the discipline is a is a issue. <laughs> On Instagram, InkKG asked, uh, what inspired you to start working on your own comic? When, sorry? What inspired you to start working on your own comic, on your own stuff? Uh, uh, comes and goes, the, like, the inspiration or the sort of feeling, the need to express myself. <laughs> well, I suppose, because I do quite fortunately get to express myself at work in a way never always fully you know you never get to see that through to through to fruition but if i take it way back it was reading squee and a boy an older boy at school lent me squee with joan and vasquez mm. when i was 11 and i'd never seen anything like that like a black and white comic all made by one person which which speaks to the sort of megalomaniac desire of artists you know when you're like one i can be one person and take all the glory yeah. i can be the one and i can do it all myself and control it all myself and it's you know there's a bit of that which i've learned to not be the case and i'm sure jonan i don't know if he had some help i don't know if he's if he said you know all the people who helped him in his life <laughs> in the credits for that comic or johnny the homicidal maniac yeah we I had read a, those uh an episode with him which is really cool oh yeah, yeah. i need to listen to that because yeah. you know it's really awesome I see, I met Gene very briefly after a screening and he, and I was like, you're like a Joan and Vasquez guy. <laughs> you're like one of those, you're of that, of that cloth, you know, which I think I probably don't look like I'm of that cloth anymore, but I definitely wanted to be. And I definitely credit that with a lot. Like, I still, you know, Invader Zim, the Invader Zim movie was really good. Yeah. I loved that stuff. I love and loved but it was seeing that, reading that comic that set my brain on fire when I was 11. And then, I don't know about recent, I don't know about Kingly. I can't remember really what I was into. I think, oh, Late Bloomer. When I was late blooming, I late bloomed into manga and I read Dragon Ball when I was 25 or something. And it just, there's nothing like it. I was reading that, I was reading One Punch Man. I think I read Barefoot Gen as well and... Now it's still, there's still like great old manga still coming out. Like, um, I'm going to butcher his name, Yoshiharu Suge, T-S-U-G-E. Oh, it's so good. It's maybe one of the best comics I've ever read in my life. And it's just coming out. I think it's just come out. Ne Nejishiki. It's got a red cover. It's drawn in quarterly. It's like a collection of his stories. And one of the stories in it, the title story, is like... I don't, it's something I cannot describe. It's a bit like watching Eraserhead or like seeing a David Lynch thing for the first time and you're like, well, this person is on mm. some dream, some, some, they are weaving dreams and they are moving through like literature and comics and producing something that you could not 
could not teach someone how to do this. Like only they can tell and this that story. Is, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's the best. That is yeah. that is what I love. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. And I think that's why I think the feeling is you have your best chance of that with comics because you're not going to have to compromise. Not that compromise is always wrong, but if you want to reach into your own brain hole and pull something out, comics is a good way to do it. I love that. It's so true. I feel like comics is so freeing. You can do anything you want. It's so easy. I mean, it's it's hard, but it's just like you could just do it. <laughs> yeah. Compared to animation, that takes just such a long time. Yeah. You have to listen to people. People tell you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gabby asks how... So this is kind of funny. I guess I'll ask the second part of the question. Do you ever see people you know or new in your characters? Right. Well, as previously stated, I'm nothing like King Lee. <laughs> but the, when I saw that question, it did make me think about Jaren. And Jaren is, you know, King Lee's aide and sort of sort of his mother and sort of his servant and, you know, an unhealthy sort of work relationship they have. But Jaren, Jaren's a few people to me. I suppose, should I name? I guess I could say. <laughs> my friend, I hope he doesn't feel offended or feel anything specific about this, but my friend Ed Cheverton, who is a brilliant illustrator who I used to live with in, uh, when and he went to Brighton University with me. I lived with him and I was in a specially kind of... <laughs> Ed isn't like Jaren really, but there's an innocence, there's something really that I love about Ed and that I love about Jaren and it's this kind of purity. I don't know, I can't, I, even calling it that, it's not like he's it's not like I'm saying he's a forever virgin. Or something, no, it, it sounds like this. he's help. He's helpful. Is that about? Is that he's just help? He's Wait, helpful, and then people can take helpful. advantage of that? Is that, that. is that what you're trying to? Yes, yes. People that break my heart are people that are genuinely helpful and lovely. And when Ed came to Brighton, he said something like, "He came from uh, Bath, which is a even a smaller." Or more quaint, even quainter town than Brighton. I don't know how to put it, but smaller town. And when he came to Brighton, he said, "Now I've seen everything." He's <laughs> like, "You moved to a seaside this town the world. in the UK, and then this is the world." And it was that that too about Ed that charmed me, and then led me to pick on him because he was so nice, and I was I was unkind to him. And then he had, and this is one for one. This is almost exactly in Kingly. He had a dream when we were living together, and I was picking on him and making him feel uncertain about the world which is how i amused myself he had a dream where he strangled me <laughs> and he told me about it which is good i think that's nice that he told me and i've since apologized to him a lot about our relationship then but we're still you know friends and friends and i love him oh but he God. had that dream and i think that's so funny. that was a sort of i don't know i, mean, I really remember that <laughs> but so so jaren is a you heard his first song creative block or <laughs> but is jaren a man i thought i thought he was a woman the whole time it's something that i you... people seem to speculate on and i don't feel the need to, you don't need to... land on either side of that coin i've always because it's not i really important. <laughs> i don't know i really relate to i don't know jaren is probably one of my favorite characters because oh that's nice they're like i don't know they're just very i don't know 
I, I tend to write characters, maybe I project onto Jared a lot, but I tend to write a lot of characters like that, that will just kind of eat all the bullshit and just be kind of like, yeah. I'll just kind of take it in and it'll be fine. <laughs> but but eventually, snap. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Eventually they snap because eventually they're like, it's gone on too long. I think that's the plan. Also, Jaren, somewhat, some a little bit my mum, but not also if my mum hears this, I hope she doesn't feel offended <laughs> by that. <laughs> caring people, good, there are good and caring people. And obviously Jaren's a bit of me too, because they're all a bit of me. I think I have the, I have the capacity to care. <laughs> I do love, I, man, I, there, yeah, Jaren is kind of, I don't know, I, I love this character. And you kind of need Jaren anyway to, for, to highlight Kingly. I feel like if, if you don't have Jaren, yeah. you can't have Kingly. Yeah, he's definitely Gromit to his Wallace. Yeah, I was uh, I was curious if you do any research for your comic uh, because <laughs> it is a period piece, and I was curious how in interested in that you are. Like, like, are you like I'm only I, I'm gonna put them in like genuine clothes that they were. That I don't know. Like, I I, I was just curious about how much you think about yeah. that. <clears throat> I've read about 150 pages of A Distant Mirror by Barbara Stanwyck, which is a really good, really dense. <laughs> I, you know, I say I've read 150 pages. That was tough to do. It's like a 400-page book. It's very dense. And it's about France and Germany and England around the, around the plague and around yeah, sort of 1300s. And... But I struggle even saying that. I second guess as I'm saying that. And one of the things, thoughts I had with Kingling was I want it to feel accurate-ish, but I can't... I'm not going to limit sure. myself to that. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I wish... I also read a lot of um, Hilary Mantel, which is historical fiction, but very well researched. She did Wolf Hall and uh, Bring Up the Bodies... And the third one, I forget the name. I think it's also yeah. got mirror in the title. But um, that those are incredible books, all about Thomas Cromwell, who was a lawyer and a sort of secondhand man almost to Henry VIII, and had a lot to do with the you know ransacking the monasteries and changing England forever, changing the religion. <laughs> you know. <laughs> sort of dethroning the Pope in a way and then putting King Henry VIII on top. And it's really, that is a, that is a great way to, I think that's a good way to learn history. I think I, I do like, a, you know, nonfiction, straight historical books, but something about Wolf Hall is so entertaining and it feels, feels more real, you know, it feels hyper real because it is fiction, but it is so well researched. Yeah, I really recommend that. But I've always, yeah, in answer to your question, I've always just liked it i've always loved history and i love to think i'm going to do think i'm going to have more time to do more research and i buy a book <laughs> and then it will i have another barbara stanwick book called um, bible and sword and it's such a cool title <laughs> i have not cracked it open yet but I'm, I'm looking forward to cracking it open and hoping some that's more about the crusades but yeah no i love would you well you have your your outlet your writing music is informed by history. So, so history. Ad admittedly, 
I am not the one that does the research in the band, but my my the the uh-huh. the, the vocalist is oh. a history buff, so he'll he'll read Don't outsource it. That is a good idea. He, he'll, well, I mean, that's the good thing about having a band is there's multiple people. So so yeah. I write, you know, I'll I write the riffs, but he will figure out what war we're going to cover during this album and and research it and write about different generals and battles and stuff like that. So he does the research on that on that cool. front, but I do. Uh, when I do period stuff, I do tend to, I think sometimes it can be limiting, like how much I feel like I need to, like I'm, like how much I need to make the costumes right and no one's going to notice. <laughs> so, so I was wondering because I, I think that if I was doing Kingly, I would probably get too tied up in like, oh, but like. I, I want to use a, a, a trebuchet, but that hasn't been invented yet in this, or whatever. Like I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what well, I mean in answer to that, I think the key with Kingly is that there are goblins. <laughs> true, 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 true. Or are there are there goblins? True. I don't know, but there are. There is the suggestion of goblins, and that is enough. You know, <laughs> I feel like I saw them. That's so crazy. That's how like goblins work. Them. You always, you know, uh, you think you saw them, but did you? So funny. I was. I felt like I saw them in one of your strips. <laughs> you you post the comic with goblins in it, and then you take it down overnight, and then and post it without any goblins in it, and so everyone's like, "Wait, there were there were <laughs> goblins there," and you're like, "Were there goblins there?" Well, I did think about. There's a character that I've has just come about, Babsy, and the suggestion is that she's always been behind Kingly, like always yeah. been serving, but just you know obscured by him. <laughs> and I thought about if. If and when, and hopefully, Kingly is published in a physical form. I would like to cheat and go back in and put her, <laughs> put her behind him and sneak her into earlier. She is in some earlier strips, but I'd like to put her in even more. I like the idea of. I mean, that's a kind of a good thing with something I haven't really exploited with online is like to take a strip down and edit it and then put it back up and mess with people's rereading of it. It's quite actually a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so that's a that that's a, a goal that you have though is to is to um public publish physical and and like I, I was curious about what your comics goals oh, yeah. were. Mm-hmm. I wish I again the discipline thing is coming up and I wish I had is it discipline? I mean, I'm pretty just it's tiring. It, like just to do the comic, I feel is an effort, mm-hmm. and then to to then have to like shop it around and be like please anyone anyone interested or and like print it out and submit and reformat it i have to reformat it for it to be a physical comic and mm. i just have not done that funny because like because your pages look like book pages when you show your originals uh but you think they're yeah just... but it couldn't be it would be too big i would have to they're yeah they're like i draw like four strips to a page i mean i could i guess publish could you it do an odd format like that, but it would be a landscape format for sure so, so like Calvin and Hobbes books and stuff are right. Yeah, and uh, Nancy and Peanuts, those are big influences too. I mentioned them, Nancy. Yeah, you don't need you don't <laughs> need to Nancy. make vertical just because TikTok is doesn't. I know that your the way you format is guided <laughs> by TikTok, but no. Yes, I think about it constantly. <laughs> I feel like I don't know. I feel like Kingley would fit really well in the lineup, like drawn in quarterly or like phenographics and they do kind of all sorts of books but that's just my 
would it would it be uh, even if it's a quick answer would it be okay to get uh your answer to do you get creative block and how do you deal with it that's the that's the podcast oh, name oh i was wondering why i didn't listen to the whole thing with alex Klein. <laughs> it usually know. it usually comes but at that the end question was yeah. coming yeah ah i my initial reaction is i don't i don't get it <laughs> <laughs> which is is a short answer but i think if i do no are, are, are you just a victim to how much time you have like is is that the main problem in your life just not having enough time because you, you're talking about the discipline that thing is, it's not a creative block thing it's just a, yeah it's like there's there's a lot of meat that needs to fit through the keyhole <laughs> there's probably a better there had to have been a better analogy for this no that's what no. i'm going with <laughs> just pushing a bunch of meat through the keyhole i'm in a big steak shop loads of steaks and they're all going, they're all rotting, and I need to shove them through the hole into the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> gotta fix this door. Oh, we gotta, we gotta like, fix I, the door. I thought there was, if, if, I thought it was the real expression. I thought that was like an English idiot. <laughs> you're that, just you saying know, something I crazy. <laughs> I was I'm like, I crazy. buy it. <laughs> I'm learning some new way to talk, and then you catch me yeah. that tomorrow talking to somebody. Yeah, it's just a lot of meat to fit through. The <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like shoveling. It is a lot of it's meat. like shoveling meat into the the coal engine of the train. You know what I mean? Like it, it it's yeah. gonna smell good in there, but the train isn't gonna. Yeah. It's like if the tracks are made of I meat, think... it's the the train's mm. gonna cut the meat pretty good but it's not gonna keep you know and i am made of meat. <laughs> i mean you are i mean i, I mean he, that's the first true one <laughs> that's the first true and analogy. i need to wait but let me go back to just <laughs> if you shove yourself through the keyhole you can it just takes yeah, a long i don't time. want to do that no I, I never want to get i want to keep i want to have enough stakes that i never have to shove myself through i think the creative block thing i don't think i if I ever feel like I have creative block, I just haven't searched hard enough for the meat, you know? <laughs> I think there is always some in the room. I, there's always some left over, even like recycling old meat or borrowing someone else's meat, you know? <laughs> like our silverfish friend. Yeah. Hunting meat for and... the fl meat and flakes. Hunting flakes. <laughs> so funny. There's just something. Hey, big brand. I feel like meat for me is more gross than silverfish, but it's just. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'd rather shove meat through a keyhole than silverfish through a keyhole. Well, speaking of meat, it was amazing meeting you, and uh, <laughs> and I I think that is going to wrap up our episode of Creative Block. Yeah. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. This has been very. Thank you for indulging me in talking about Kingly. Of course. Uh, I mean, I was really excited to talk about Kingly too. Um, so that's, yeah, the end of this creative vlog. Nick, thank you so much for being our guest and sharing your story. Hey, thanks for having me. And thanks to our listeners as well. Follow us on social media at CRTV Block, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to our editor, Clemens, for editing the podcast, Marco for helping us produce the show, and Abuka for editing our shorts. If you love our show, you can support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews and access to our Discord community. You can also support the show by engaging with our content, like subscribing to the, pod to the podcast. I see that a lot 
other people who watch the podcast are not subscribed. So click that button and you can comment and like. Uh, that really goes a long way to help support. Yeah, the don't podcast. be a fake uh-huh. fan. Be a real fan. Click the links in the description of this episode to look up Nick or like or Patreon or all of these other good things. I've been your host, V. And I was Sean. Keep being creative and we'll see you next week. Bye.